0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Footies On. Uh, It's going to be a new podcast with me, John Whiffin, and Daniel Stacey on the other side, um, which is going to be talking about the football that's going on the previous weekend and the next weekend. Um, We're going to aim to record it every Monday or Tuesday, but with uni life, you know, it can change a little bit. Um, So today we're going to be talking about international results from the last week, um, Italy versus England and what that shows about England going forwards. Um, then we're going to be doing a tactical preview of both Manchester City versus Man United and Tottenham versus Arsenal as the two big games of the weekend. Are you excited to get started, Dan?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned there, there's two huge games coming up this weekend, two of uh, arguably the two biggest derbies in the Premier League. Um, of course, looking back at the, the international rate that's been and gone, the last one before the World Cup, what that says about England in particular and many of the other nations been with a chance of winning it, so yeah, looking forward to it.
0: it. It does feel weird, doesn't it? The fact that there's going to be no warm-up games for the World Cup. Like, we've just had them two months earlier.
1: I know, I, I agree. and It's it's hard because there's no way of replicating the conditions we'll be playing in, in Qatar either, so it almost feels, like you say, as if there is no warm-up. These are just bog-standard international breaks. We've seen managers, Gareth Southgate in particular, saying how important he feels they were in terms of working out his full-strength 11, but I'm not sure with two months to go, injuries uh, very much a possibility, form drops very much a possibility. It, it all feels a bit wrong to me.
0: Oh, I, I would be astounded if there are not massive injuries that could like affect the result of the World Cup. Like, I, know yeah, so-
1: I mean, personally, I think the amount of injuries that are going to happen between then and now because of the fixture pile-up, as a result of having a World Cup in the middle of the season. I'd be baffled if squads have even 75% of the players in the World Cup that they've, we've just had in these internationals. That would, that would be a big shock to me. Well,
0: it's, it's just the, the fact that, well, I support Man United, um, as you'll as you find out throughout the podcast, and Dan's, 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 Dan's a big Wigan fan. Uh, yeah, so... we won't
1: be covering too much of us, I can't imagine, but yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but United have got nine games. In October, that's like one every three days for the whole month. It's it's ridiculous the the pressure that's going to be on these players' bodies. But yeah. anyway, we, we digress. We digress. So what we're going to do is we're going to look through some of the key international results um from the weekends so or the ones that, the ones that stood out to us. So firstly, we've got Germany zero, Hungary one. What did you think of that? Dan?
1: Well, Hungary. Come out of nowhere in this tournament, didn't they? They obviously battered England at the Molyneux. They, um, yeah, they've beaten Italy, I believe. They've beaten Germany this time round. Um, it's strange, isn't it? They've—I seem to remember—they were in the group of death in in the Euros, but performed way above expectations there. And they seem to have taken that confidence and that ability that they they know that they um, they can do it against the quote-unquote top teams. I don't know if. Uh, Germany, Italy, and England fall into that bracket just yet. Even though, of course, England and Italy were European Championship finalists, but no, they've done very well. And again, this is just testament to the the squad, the manager. They seem to know exactly how to set up successfully against the uh, the so-called bigger nations.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's one of those one of those things with Hungary. Like, it's easy to get up to the big games, and don't get me wrong, it's a brilliant result away in Germany. Uh, to get the win but for teams to make kind of make the, the jump from tier two to tier one yeah in nations you have to be beating all the teams around you and that that'll be that be the challenge for Hungary going forward but for like yeah. in recent years we've seen Denmark as we're going to talk about in a few minutes they went from beating all the teams around them and then now they're beating teams mm-hmm. who they really on paper they shouldn't be beating mm-hmm. but that's but you've got to you've got to lay the groundwork first so it'll be interesting to see whether Hungary can build on this and it around them going um, forwards. The, the thing I like about
1: Hungary is they've got they've got a, a good blend of experience and youth. They've got a couple of um, a couple of midfielders I really like. They've got Dominic Shabozlai at Leipzig. I'm not particularly sure if that's the pronunciation, but we'll go with it. And um, a slightly easier one to pronounce, Callum Styles, who of course born and bred in England, but through a Hungarian grandmother is is playing for them and is absolutely thriving in the, the centre midfield role. Brings a lot of energy that we, um, we saw him use at Barnsley a couple of seasons ago. And, yeah, he just seems to be thriving in there alongside, alongside uh, Dominic, we'll go with that. So um, they've got that sort of youthfulness there. And then, of course, up top, uh, Adam Schalloy, who, you know, journeyman around Europe, done a lot of, a lot of good things in, in the Bundesliga, who seems to be the, uh, the focal point for him and yeah, it seems to be working well, so fair play.
0: Yeah, Shalai is one of those guys who whenever you get questioned, you know, who, who scored the most goals out in, in all of the top five leagues or in yeah. six different leagues in Europe, he's always the one, he's always the yeah. one. Yeah, he's,
1: he's, he's the answer to many a pub quiz question, I can imagine.
0: He is indeed. Um, so moving on, uh, we now have, we're going to go on to Denmark versus France which we said we were going to talk about Denmark. Um, Denmark beating France 2-0. Um, you might have seen it on YouTube, listeners. Uh, you might have seen the goal from Eriksen, and it was amazing. Like, about 30 yards out, dipping, like, sensational yeah. goal into the top left. Um, as a Man United fan, I enjoyed watching that, and hope, <laughs> hope, he's, hope he scores a couple of them at the weekend. Um, but I just wanted to talk about Eriksen, really. Uh, what do you think, Dan? How did United get him so
1: easily on free? Well, I, I don't have a clue, to be honest. I know that Brentford were able to snap him up because teams were wary of his um, heart condition after, obviously, the, the tragic event that happened at the Euros, obviously, playing for Denmark. Um, and by the way, what a perfect way to reintroduce yourself to the international stage. for well, it's an absolute scream against one of the best teams in the world. But no, Ericsson's just class, isn't he? I mean, once, once he got back into the swing of things with Brentford, he was a class above, and I feel like Man United, for once, have actually done an unbelievable bit of business there, getting him on a free transfer. I mean, come the end of the season, that will be looked at as one of, if not the best signing of the season.
0: Oh, I, I have to agree. Um, when, when I saw him coming in, I thought, good signing, how will he play with Bruno, how will... He's been our best player this season by a
1: country mile. He's and he's played everywhere as well, isn't he? Obviously, started the season in a very strange false nine position that didn't particularly work. But then we saw him adopt a more sort of number six role, sort of creating from deep. And he seems to have finally found sort of a free eight role with, with Bruno that kind of able to a bit more license to create, a bit more license to um get on the ball and sort of dictate tempo, which he did so well at Tottenham and it just seems to, maybe, um, it's a bit early yet, but he seems to be rediscovering that form that he did show at Spurs a couple of seasons ago.
0: Yeah, it, as a United fan, and I've, I've seen people speaking about this on Twitter and stuff, but he is the best midfielder we've had since Carrick. On the yeah. ball, as a, as a footballer, he's the best midfielder yeah. we've had since Carrick. Don't get me wrong, but I, I wouldn't really count Bruno as a midfielder because he basically just stands up front. But, as a as a genuine midfielder, the the passes that Ericsson can make, leading up the field, he's the perfect signing for Ten Hag. The, the well, perfect can, signing. Just look
1: at the, the Denmark team that he's playing in. Obviously, just to just to go back to that, he's alongside Delaney and Hoiberg, Who, I mean, if you want workhorses in that midfield, you don't really get too much, too many. Uh, you know, more hardworking, dedicated midfielders than those two, and you can just imagine against. Against the French midfield, I'm just looking here, it was Kamavinga and Chuameni. obviously two unbelievable youth prospects, but they'll, um, you know, maybe still a little bit wet behind the ears, and if you've got a couple of, a uh, couple of you know, dogged midfielders like Hoiberg and Delaney rushing them around, Ericsson is that kind of player that can just pick up little pockets of space, as we saw with his goal, and, you know, if you give him time, if you give him space, and now that he's back in form, he can really hurt you, and Absolutely did that to France, who, you know, they it was a bit of an off day for France, you have to say. They did have a fair few amount of chances, um, but they also created a fair few amount of, uh, no, had a few amount of chances, but conceded a fair few as well. And um, yeah, yet another big nation that stumbling going into this World Cup, we would see.
0: Do you think it's a bit of a concern for France, the fact that they can't put away teams like this? Like, leading up to 2018, it looked like they were really gaining momentum and you could, you could see a World Cup win coming. Coming into 2022, they, they limped out the Euros. They, it, was a, it was a poor performance in that, that loss to Sweden. And they haven't been that convincing over the last couple of years. The, the only shining light seems to be Mbappe.
1: Well, you're not wrong. and th- That front line of uh, Griezmann and Mbappe Giroud they're not getting any any younger, of course. Mbappé is approaching his prime and we won't have to worry about him you know, going off the boil for probably another century, not decade
0: even. Century.
1: He the century. <laughs> <laughs> he the century.
0: I'd love but, to see um, an 120-year-old Mbappé.
1: <laughs> Don't put it past him, honestly, with the amount of uh, sports science nowadays. But no, Griezmann and Giroud, you, you've got to imagine that this will be, especially Giroud's last tournament, Griezmann, obviously they, we've got the situation where Simeone's not letting him play more than half an hour for Atletico. That's hilarious,
0: that's brilliant, I love that.
1: It's it's classic Simeone but I don't know you look at they've got players like Nkunku who's had an unbelievable season last year can't get in ahead of them and I don't know, I feel like I appreciate the argument that maybe um, maybe they're sticking with what they know, they're sticking with those that of course <laughs> won, them, won them the World Cup but at what point do, do you bring in players absolutely on form for their club? And whilst Griezmann isn't doing badly at Atletico Madrid, I'm sure many French fans would, would agree they'd rather see Nkunku in there than, um, than a man that's not being allowed to play any more than half an hour.
0: Yeah, um, he, I, I'd love to see Usman Bella get a proper chance at France again. Yeah. I, he, was, he was saying last week he, um, that he's wasted five years of his career and you have to agree yeah. with him. With, with injuries and stuff, but he's finally got back to playing how we thought he could when he got that hundred-on-million move to Barcelona. Well,
1: his, uh, his season at Dortmund, uh, there are handfuls of YouTube compilations or that kind of thing, and I mean, he looks unbelievable. And of course, you know, he's had problems with injuries Barcelona is a basket case of club at the best of times, so he's not, maybe not the best environment to develop in, um, especially in recent years. But, yeah, I do agree. You'd like to think a chance for France is just around the corner, but that with the formation, they seem to be playing at the minute. It's, it's more of a 3-4-3, and with, with Griezmann, and Mbappe and Giroud, none of them are really out-and-out wingers and you, you struggle to see where Dembele would fit in.
0: You do, you do indeed, you do indeed. Um, you mentioned Kunku there. Uh, have you seen the news this morning? Go on, enlighten me. He has had a medical ahead of a move to Chelsea. Oh, for, for next I did tell
1: about this, actually, yeah. Um, and sixty million release clause, isn't it, I believe? It is, it is. You,
0: what a signing. Getting get ahead of the game. Mm. Uh, you, you see you've seen the uh Leipzig do these kind of deals before they i remember they did one with uh, Naby Keita with Liverpool, yep. where they signed them a year before um, and then stayed for one extra year um and obviously they've done that with the Czech striker that i've just forgotten his name from um Salzburg Shechke. to Leipzig chesco yeah um so they do like doing those kind of deals um with release calls and stuff like that but I just think that's a really really good piece of planning from Chelsea
1: I'd be interested to know if that was Kukul that um, initiated that sign and either if that's Potter or if that's, uh, I'm not sure the name of the director of football that they might have or whether that's sort of a... Well, it's barely, is isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. It's he's the, he's, he's the, the
0: owner, director of that. football, manager, Absolutely. head coach, first team coach.
1: But, but you'd have to think, Nkunku seems like the kind of player that would work unbelievably well in a Graham Potter system. You know, he's a, he's a versatile attacker, fluid, Hard working, great on the ball, of course, excellent end product. So, I'm I'm excited to see that.
0: And I I just I'd love to as well, as a United fan who has has not been treated well with with transfer planning in recent years. I'd love I'd love to see a team planning ahead. Yeah. But there's there's no reason why negotiations can't be going on during the season. But, yeah. but you just plan ahead, get, get get the best players in, and get in, get ahead of the game. So yeah. very well done, very well done to Chelsea on that so we're going to move on now to our first big talking point of the podcast. Um, Italy won England nil. What went wrong then?
1: Well, I think it's easier to say what went right, to be honest, and that's very, very little we just, we just look bereft of ideas up top, I must say there seems there seems an almost sort of scaredness of Southgate to really attack teams of course whether or not that's planning for tournament football where if you do leave yourselves too exposed and then you concede a few goals there's no time to rectify it uh, I, I do understand that argument but you no, know, this is this is the nation's league this is where you want to be seeing players like Saki you want to be seeing players like Tony you want to be seeing players like Bowden and Sterling whoever be really you know Release, let them...
0: Allowed to express themselves.
1: Exactly. Rather than have them in a rigid, you know, tactical style where they've... Well, we'll talk about the Germany game a little bit, but in both games, the wingers, I was seeing them pop up on the edge of our own box defending. Now, I understand (laughs) you want to be compact, you want to limit the opposition space, but (laughs) Harry Kane's not going to lead a counterattack on his own. And Foden and Sterling aren't quick enough to run from the edge of our box to the edge of the opposition's box in, you know, five, six seconds time. So, yeah, just a lack of of bravery is how I'd sum up the Italy game, to be honest, mate.
0: Uh, uh, So I I didn't completely watch all of the Italy game. Um, I've seen the highlights and then I watched the Germany game. Mm -hmm. And in the first half of the Germany game, I saw exactly what you've just described.
1: The, I'll be honest. I've watched both. The first half of the Germany game was worse than the Italy Really? Yeah. I mean, it was pathetic. Uh, the Italy game, we at least, you know, got into their half a few times. The Germany game, yes, Sterling probably could have scored one once or twice, but you'd say that was more off German mistakes rather than England, you know, brilliance. Um, and of course, mistakes happen. So it's good to have people in the position to, to poach on them. But you've then got to take the chances. If you're, playing a sort of, if you're playing the percentages in football, you have to have a player to put away the chances. And unfortunately, Sterling didn't do that. And of course, we, uh, well, we almost paid for it. Uh,
0: I, I noticed one particular thing during the, um, during the Germany game. And it's if you're going to start Harry Kane as your striker, which you always will because he's our best player, you have to make him stay up top. Mm. If, if he's dropping in to make it a sort of a 5-4 a with two wide men, it's not going to work. Like you, however yeah. he plays at Tottenham, it's a different system to play in England. One oh, because- I,
1: feel like, I feel like Southgate's caught in between trying to make Kane his own player, but also trying to use him in the same way that Conte used him. He, and he isn't quite getting the balance right. I mean, like you say, there are times where he's dropping so far deep I remember the Italy game (laughs) there was a throw in probably five yards just inside the Italy half and Harry Kane was the first person to receive it he's dropping you know almost to the halfway line which is fair enough if you want to get him on the ball but we've got someone like Bellingham in the midfield who's more than capable of creating someone like Rhys James on the far side someone like Foden even that you know they're there to create chances for Harry Kane, not Harry Kane create chances for them. That's how I would it's how I would look at it. So, and we don't have like you, you mentioned Tottenham. There. We don't have two wingers like Son and Koleszewski or Richarlison who are gonna who are just goal scorers stretch playing out wide. The team. Team. Exactly, we don't we don't really have that England. They're more wired playmakers almost. So, yeah, we I, I I understand Southgate trying to make Kane drop in, but you've got to. You've got to pick players that suit that and we don't really have them. I'd say Rashford's probably our best bet and he wasn't even, of course, in the squad. So,
0: But has just been announced as Premier League Player of the Month?
1: Well, so, yeah. We've, well, We've, we've, like, we've waste half an hour talking about how mental that is. So, um, yeah, I mean, Man United fans rigging votes again, I guess.
0: To be fair, in the two games he played last month, he did get three and assisted one. So?
1: <laughs> Erling Ireland, <laughs> Ireland, Ireland exists mate
0: Very true He wasn't even nominated Somehow I've absolutely no idea About that
1: I imagine it's probably Because he's going to win Every other month And they can't, they can't Let him do that
0: Very true But did you, did you ever see That stat of Messi That he only, he only won One La Liga player of the month Between like 20, 2006
1: and 2015 <laughs> Yeah dear me. It's like It's like um, It's like in PE lessons or something Where you have to go around and give everyone a bowl and give everyone a bat when you're playing cricket. And the bloke who plays county cricket has to umpire because otherwise he would just walk away with this. It. It's one of them.
0: It's one of them. Uh, go, go, go back to talking about Man United players though. That pass from Shaw, if Dubbwin mm. does that, <laughs> people talk about that for a year. Yeah. What a pass that was! And it,
1: well, I'd also say if Sterling scores that, well, people yeah. talk about it for a year. But the fact that that doesn't go down as the sixth. It's an absolute robbery. Yeah. That is one of the
0: best assists I've seen in a very like really, really long time. Chance assist chance. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think England need to do heading into the World Cup to well for me, give them a chance of getting to the quarterfinals? Given the way yeah. given the way England play at the minute. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a shock.
1: I'd, I'd say sod off with your five at the back, Southgate. Give us four. Give us four, three, three. Don't don't mind who the backs are. You can recall Trent if you want, although not convinced in a four he'd be best suited. If Stone, I'm not sure his severity of is injury, but in an ideal world, I'd like to see Stones and Tamori. I I'd take Harry Maguire. It might be I'd take him to Qatar, but he'll oh, he
0: go 100%.
1: Oh, he'll yeah yeah. But if he plays. If he starts, I'll be fuming, to be honest. Midfield, again, I don't care who the third is, but as long as Rice and Bellingham are in there. Because you mentioned positives earlier of, of this international break for England. Rice and Bellingham are probably about as much as you get. They were yeah, just a class above, to be honest, for most of it. And will be, will be absolutely vital in the World Cup. As especially when you think about you know the conditions we'll be playing in. The midfield battle will be so key because of the likelihood of dehydration and getting tired and whatnot. If you've got a couple of midfielders there that can take control of the game, dictate the tempo, and play on your terms, I think that that could be uh that could be huge and they'll be they'll be
0: vital. Yeah, I I'm, I'm sure Calvin Phillips will play. I'll be honest. I I know the, this injury that they're talking about is they're saying. Uh, City medics are hopeful he will be fit for a couple of weeks before the World Cup. Mm. I, I think he will play, and uh, I don't think it's the worst decision. Uh, a midfield of, like of Rice, Phillips, Bryce, but... Phil, and Bellingham—it's exciting. It's it's progressive. It works hard. Yeah, but I don't think we'll see it. I think we'll see five at the back into midfield. Personally, <laughs> yeah, that's
1: what we will see. But in an ideal world, this is this is how I'd fix England. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not. I'm going off pure football manager experience there, but you've 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 got a you've got to put Rice and Bellingham in there. I'd probably go with Mount. Bit of bit of dynamism in midfield, obviously. I feel like people sleep on his defensive ability as well. well he works hard. He really he works hard. incredibly hard. Excellent positioning when when it comes to uh, setting pressing traps and whatnot. Which of course we're not the most uh, heavy pressing team in the world, but still still an important asset. And then the front three, just any, anyone working around Harry Kane, to be honest. Like I say, if, if we want to use him, like Tottenham use him, I think you've got to call it Rashford and you've got to play him as the sort of young man's son. Um, someone like Foden, maybe on the left, is a bit, more, a bit more creative, sort of similar to Kulisevsky in that sense. But I don't like the idea of copying club football at international level. Gareth Southgate's got to have his own um, got to have his own identity and of course we'll uh, well I was going to say we'll have to wait and see what that is we sort of know what that is now and like you say it'll be five, four, one. 4 one Harry Kane isolated at the top Calvin Phillips and Beckham Rice playing as you know
0: deep line deep midfielders and, exactly so
1: it's going to be a fun World Cup I'm sure
0: I can't wait um, and in future podcasts, we will we will do a fixing England podcast and a uh, w- what we would dis- what we would select and what we, what yeah. tactics we'd do. Well, just so I'm that... looking
1: forward to picking our uh, uh, World Cup squads and seeing how different we are. That should just, be an interesting.
0: Just one. to help Gareth Southgate, really. If he wants yeah. to bring us in, we are we are available. We will not Absolutely. cost much money. Yeah. Honestly, freelance, just... freelance, freelance. So um, moving on to the second part of the podcast, we're going to be looking ahead to the weekend of Premier League football, um, I see there's some brilliant games coming up um, in Manchester City versus Man United, uh, Tottenham versus Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And it's this point of the season, given the World Cup, teams really need to hit the ground running because you've got so many games in so, such quick succession. Yep. Um, so what we're going to do for each game is we're going to do a tactical preview, a player preview, and then a prediction. <laughs> So I've taken the lead on Man City versus Man United, um, and the tactics are just so, so interesting with this game. You've got Pep versus the Pep protege, um. You've got teams at you've got teams at different level of their production. Um, a lot of people are saying City have finished article. They're not. They will get better, and that's the scary thing. Given how good they've been the season, Done. I mean,
1: like you say. Anyone thinking that this Man City is a finished article, I'd just like to remind you that Erling Haaland, Phil Foden, uh, John Stones even to some extent, there, is, there are players that will only continue to grow. Ruben Diaz. I mean, yeah, it's scary, to be honest, how, how good how good they are and how good they... Well, I was going to say could be, how good they will be.
0: Oh, I I have no doubt that they're going to win everything. Forever, yeah. basically. If if Harlan yeah, keeps scoring at this,
1: in ten years. It, it will. It will.
0: Um, so what I'm thinking is it, it's going to be a similar game to previous years for these two teams. Um, the, over the last five years, the general th- general idea has been United defending, City attacking. United trying to hit on the counter, City trying to stop that counter. And over the past ten, over the past five years or so, mm-hmm. been quite even. United have just edged it winning more games than City over the past five years, which is a surprise. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely.
0: But um, when Ole Gunnar shot he had a brilliant record against... Um, um Purely, he, he found a way to beat him. It was defend deep, wait, um, and just try and force them to put crosses in. course, City now i have got this new guy, I can't remember what his name is, who, who's in the box and just scores whenever the ball comes in there. Yeah. So that that will affect it. So United won't be able to sit as deep as they possibly would have wanted to because of of Haaland's movement in the box. It is amazing. Um,
1: and Camfello's delivery. I mean, just remember that, that Champions League game I against mean, Dortmund a couple of weeks ago. Dortmund were doing exactly what Man United have done in the past, sit deep, absorb, hit on the character attack, and they were doing it beautifully. Honestly, it was... If anyone is a fan of defensive football, go and watch the highlights of that game because Dortmund for what would it have been, 70, 75 minutes? Executed it absolutely perfectly. And then Cancelo, (laughs) I mean... A minute of magic. It's unbelievable. Outside the boot cross, Haaland, I don't even... If I tried to do that, I think I would I would genuinely die. I'd rip in half if I tried to...
0: I think think I'd pop hip out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, City (laughs) is scary and... I would not want to be a Man United fan
0: this weekend. <laughs> uh, I, choose, I choose to be positive rather than realise what's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, positive uh, it should,
1: rather than naive. I mean,
0: positive and naive, I should say. Yeah, it, it should be on after the watershed, to be honest. I think what's going to happen is. <laughs> um, so, Ten Hag is attempting to change United into his philosophy, which is a high-possession, high-pressing team. But obviously, two months in, he's going to struggle to do that. At the moment, it's more of a low-block, quick-transition team as he as he tries to learn players onto what he's trying to do, as yep. he tries to, try to get players like Casemiro um, and others integrated into the team. So, um, at the minute, United actually rank 17th for high turnovers in the Premier League. Wow. City are second. Can you guess who's first for high turnovers this season in the Premier League? Well,
1: I'm going to go, based on a a little thing I saw yesterday which was uh, passes per defensive action I'm going to go Leeds
0: Leeds are high up but it's Newcastle really imagine a year ago under Steve Bruce being told <laughs> that Newcastle would rank first for high turnovers
1: I, I think Steve Bruce thinks high turnovers are something to do with the lottery, really, doesn't it? <laughs> he it that is in football he
0: yeah, does but... He does. Oh, I wonder where Steve Bruce is right now. Probably Greg's. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um,
1: that, that's, that's a better bet than uh, than anything else.
0: Yeah. Um, so that, that that just does show the difference in the way the teams are having to play at the minute. Um, I'm sure United will, and it's been good signs so far. I'm sure United will try and obviously push up the high turnovers rank. Um, and yeah. push down the low block rank, but it, it's something. It's something interesting to see for the rest of the season.
1: Well, I can't imagine they'll be looking to do much uh, high turnover this this game because Man City will tear you apart if you do. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, the the build up from the back, of course, Rodri metronomic almost when he's when he's playing in that six role. Um, yeah, I, I think your best bet will be sit sit off a little bit and. Absorb as best you can, um, with players like Sancho,
0: Rashford, if he's back, I'm not sure either of them will be. Really? So Rashford hasn't been training all week. He has been. Oh, team... Don't worry,
1: you've got Anthony Alanga so that's fine.
0: <laughs> We're going to start with Anthony, Anthony, and, and Anthony at front.
1: Oh, is Marshall all right?
0: I think, I think, I think Marcel's on the way back. Good. That's good. <laughs> I don't
1: mind Anthony Martial No, he... he's favourite of your Anthony's I'll put it that way. Really? Do you not like yeah, Anthony? Yeah. Well, I've not seen enough of him to be honest. I'm not. He, I didn't really he, watch much Eredivisie.
0: It, he's been alright, but I, I don't know. His but, goal against the, uh, was it Liverpool that he scored against? Yeah, uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, wasn't it? It was Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that that was a good goal. Very good finish. Yeah. Um. So just just to signify what we're talking about with United having to sit deep this weekend, United are averaging less than fifty percent of the ball this season. Yeah. Um, obviously, those first couple of games against Brentford and Brighton, when they got battered, and um, the two games against Arsenal and Liverpool, will be swaying that. But it just ju- it just does show you can't change a team overnight from the from the mess that Ten Hag inherited. You can't change it overnight. Um, and City, I don't quite believe this when I read it, averaging over seventy percent possession that doesn't surprise me generally. which is just ridiculous so like last season Ajax well, and... they, had, they
1: had like 81% possession
0: in Bournemouth I think so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, City and Ajax were the top possession teams last season with 65 and 68% um, respectively yeah. but averaging over 70% is mind-boggling and if they keep that up they I can't see them not winning the league and probably the Champions League as well well
1: I mean to be fair like, Ajax, yes, of course, there's the Ten Hag link and whatnot, but they're almost more dominant in their league than City are in, in the Frem, So
0: That's that's what makes it so impressive.
1: Exactly. It's not It's not like Ten Hag's going to come in and go, right, lads, I've been having 70% of the ball in Holland, so we're going to do that with Scott McTominay and Fred keeping the ball. That's, that's not really going to happen. Like you say, it's the mess he's inherited. He's, he's doing a good job. And first things first, you've got to just get results, and he seems somewhat to have um,
0: turned the tide after the first couple.
1: Well, absolutely, but he's also adapted his own style to the Premier League rather than, you know, people like Bielsa, as much as I really like Bielsa as a manager, he did not change when it was apparent that things weren't working, and you can you can respect sticking to your guns somewhat, but Again, it goes back to that naivety, doesn't it? And Ten Hag seems to uh, seems to have bitten the bullet a little bit and changed. And fair play to its work.
0: It does, it does. Um. So, take a guess, Dan. Who do you think I'm going to go for for the player preview?
1: Well, um, I mean, it's gotta be it's gotta be the main man, Lisandro Martinez, and then whoever. Oh, Haaland. Sorry.
0: Oh yeah, like that, that guy that City on the front. Um, of course, Haaland is the main attraction, as he is every week in the Premier League, who's the best player in the league. <laughs> he's got 14 goals and one assist in 10 games. That's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, but I'm gonna focus more on Martinez um, for this for this battle because everyone knows about Haaland and he's been spoken to to that. Martinez, he starts off by facing criticism. Um when he, was, when he came to United most, mostly for stupid reasons from stupid people um, did, did you see the the criticism that Martinez got from some certain talk sport oh, whoops uh, from some certain radio stations and some TV <laughs> funders
1: I mean yeah and I'm not going to lie after the Brentford game after the Brighton game he had been playing poorly, so, or well, maybe not poorly enough to warrant some of the criticism. But he'd been involved in a team that conceded seven goals in two games. He, and obviously for a centre half, whether you're playing well or not, that is gonna, is gonna cost you. That's gonna get people, you know, talking against you. And look, obviously, he's he's settled in now. I must admit, I really do like him. I like how he seems far, just confident, aggressive, everything you sort of want in the centre-back. Of course, would it be better if he was six foot five, aerially, really dominant? Yes. But, at the same time his aerial battles and whatnot, I mean, I'm sure you've got the stats for him. He's he's performed very well, but, against Erling Haaland, you know, don't think he's played a striker quite like him yet, so we'll have to wait and see.
0: Um, um, you're Right, I do have the um, some of his aerial stats and his win percent in the Champions League last season, with better than Harry Maguire and Ruben Diaz So two <laughs> players there who are supposed to be amazing in the air.
1: Well, one and Harry Maguire, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Either way, um, it's some of the criticism he received is just questionable at best. Uh, you have to yeah. you have to wonder whether people like Gabriel Bonal actually do their own research. I mean, I can tell you they don't.
1: Um you can't even spell research, never no mind do it.
0: I <laughs> no, bet you'd rather have Q and Tuesday who um so in the in the last meeting between um Martinez and Haaland, uh, do you know what the result was? IX versus Dortmund last season? Uh
1: I don't I don't know the result, but I seem to remember Sebastian Haller did all right, I think.
0: Haller, he was he was brilliant, yes. Um so that was obviously before he transferred from Ajax Dortmund. Yeah. And, and it goes to that saying we offer um Halle our best wishes with his recovery. Absolutely. Um it was completely shut up by Martinez and a brilliant performance um, against Haaland last time they played. Um Ajax beat Dortmund 3-0, um, and Martinez just dominated him in everything. Haaland barely touched the ball all game. Um however there is a little bit of difference this season. Um so, despite Martinez, he will have confidence going into the meeting between the two players and two teams. Haaland does have De Bruyne behind him now.
1: I was going to say, yeah. So they're slightly different going from receiving the ball from Thorgan Hazard to Kevin De Bruyne. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, di- different ballparks, really. Um, and that's why for this player, for this player preview and this player matchup, I can't see Martinez being able to keep Haaland out for the whole game. No, I agree. I, I, I can't agree. see Holland not scoring. And I can't see City not winning, to be honest. Um, in Just City will create enough chances to win. United um, you know, will create chances, and I do think they'll get a goal. Um, but my score prediction is going to be 3-1. What, what, what's your prediction, Dan?
1: Um, I'm going to say... See, it's annoying, because... I am probably... More confident in Man United's chances than you are for some reason. Based on three-one, I don't know. I just, I just feel like like you like you mentioned earlier, the record that United seem to have. Ten Hag is first to what you would describe as big games against Arsenal and against Liverpool. He has masterminded brilliant tactical plan. Obviously, Guardiola is slightly different beast in that regard. But I don't know. I think. I think you will definitely score. I, I'm still going to go City two one, but I think it will be a, a late sort of goal, maybe someone like Mares off the bench, that kind of thing. But I think you'll give them the best, the best game they've had so far this season in terms of you know the amount that you, um, the amount of chances you have. I really, I really like the um, the, the the new the new lad Anthony. Well, you're from three. It seems to be uh, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony. Um, obviously, City looking like they'll be without John Stones, which will be yeah. a big loss for them. Um,
0: it's a very good time to get in the country, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. City will still win because it's Manchester City and Harlem will still score because it's earning Harlem. But I think you're running close. And if it was a Old Trafford, I think I'd be uh, be tipping a win for you lot. But no, we'll, we'll, we'll go to one. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, it's gonna be a tough couple of games for City in the next three. They've got United States and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I it's can't. Almost, city...
1: It's too early to say make or break, but it's definitely, it's definitely a case of you know, if you come away with it, from this with six points, no one denies a City win the league. If you come no. away looking looking, you know, a little bit off the pace, like you say, the importance of going into the um, the October schedule on good form. It, it's a yeah, it's a big big moment for city and I think they will come through it, but I don't think it'll be uh, plain sailing, let's say.
0: No, I don't either.
1: Um well now that we've we've got the United City Derby out of the way, it's time for the bigger derby, the North London derby, of course. We've got Arsenal versus Tottenham, um Antonio Conte's men of the season relatively well of course they've already had a London derby against Chelsea which was one of if not the best game of the season so far you'd have to say um, well just the best against... moment of the season really
0: wow, like at the final great. whistle
1: that was that was just beautiful can't see Mikel Arteta being quite as aggressive as Tuchel in that regard because I think uh, Antonio Conte would break Arteta in half but anyway <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's by the bye um but, yeah, of course, both sides in the top three at the minute. Arsenal sitting pretty at the top. Of course, uh, only, only one loss, which came against your, your Manchester United. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're playing host to Tottenham. And I just want to know first, first um, things first what have you made of Arsenal, obviously, from watching the United game against them?
0: Um, it's difficult. Dig Morrell. They, I think they've been very impressive this season, and they've clearly taken a big step forward from last season. Yeah. Um, obviously, they finished fifth last season, and I think they, I don't think they'll be pushing for the title. I think some some people have suggested that. And I don't. I think they're still away off that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could. I think they can challenge. I think they could challenge Liverpool if Liverpool continue to stumble and kind of flatter to deceive. I think they can challenge Liverpool for second.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sort of a best of the rest kind of challenge,
0: yeah. I think I think they could. Um, obviously, they need to have better squad depth this season, um, but they do still need to keep certain players fit. If Jesus gets injured, if Saka gets injured, um, even if um, Gabriel gets injured at the back, I've been really impressed by him. I think if those players get injured, then they will start to drop off, and then it'll be a kind of battle for top four.
1: Yeah, well, you mentioned Gabriel there. Of course, he's been part of a centre-back partnership with Saliba that has seen uh, seen Arsenal have the fifth best defence in the league. Which, compared to last year, where you sort of you describe Arsenal as a little bit, a little bit soft, uh, rolled over a little bit too easy, perhaps. But of course, this year they seem to um, seem to have really improved in that sense. And then at the other end of the pitch, they're um, they they're doing Plenty, uh, plenty of good work there as well. Obviously, 2.4 goals averaging a game—that's the fourth best in the league. You've got players like Saka, finding form. Players like Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus has come in and hit the ground running, like everyone seemed to expect he would because just a brilliant player, isn't he? Um, And yeah, the sort of we've mentioned the Guardiola versus the Guardiola prodigy in the previous um, Manchester derby talk, but Arteta is the gradio the prodigy of course old assistant manager and he seems to be setting Arsenal up in a very similar way to uh the Hal Pep does of course they've got sort of inverted wing backs with uh, with Ben White and wait, well, it was Zinchenko but unfortunately it looks like he's going to miss out which is a shame so he's a big really, loss really, really do like him yeah and with Tierney getting injured on international duty as well it's, oh I didn't see that no, it's going to be interesting to see who uh, who comes in at left back because there there's are three options there. You'd say were Cedric injured, Jenko injured, and uh, and now Tierney injured. So that's going to be a a huge loss, especially of course against Tottenham from three. And yeah, we just just a little uh, thought on the tactical thing. Obviously, we know how Conte is going to sell. But that's that's um, you know three for three couple of ball midfielders and Harry Kane as that sort of hybrid false nine deep-lying forward that will create an unbelievable amount of chances for Son and it's looking like Richardson as well because Kudusiewski another one that's picked up an injury as, as we said earlier the amount of injuries that to happen between now and the World Cup a joke and both these sides look to, um, look to be struggling in that regard so um, yeah I think in terms of a, a tactical battle, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting seeing how this well, what will have to be a makeshift Arsenal back four deal with Tottenham's front three. But at the same time, how Arsenal's wingers who like to play high and wide, Saka, Martinelli, they um, they'll be looking to get into that space and behind the, the full backs, or wait well, I suppose wing backs in the Tottenham system. And um, yeah, I just really interested in this game mate. what do you think
0: I think it's a it's, whereas United and, and City uh, seem to a, um, <laughs> <laughs> seems to be more of a all conclusion let's just say seems to be more of a kind of two teams at different ends of the yeah. um, progress spectrum really um, but both try to play kind of the same way Arsenal mm-hmm. versus Tottenham are literally trying to play the opposite ways Absolutely, you've got one one team.
1: It's yin and yang.
0: It's yeah. absolutely it's possession
1: versus counter attack. It's aggression versus sort of flair and, I mean, not to say that Arsenal don't have aggression. You know, Saliba obviously has come in and added a lot of that. Partey and Jacker have added that, but they're they're much more sort of one for the purist. You'd say they're they're a very um, easy on the eye kind of team, and with it being at the Emirates as well. I think that will play a, a bigger part than than it might have perhaps in previous years where the Arsenal fans have been a bit disjointed oh. with the club and not been too, not been behind the manager and the players. Of course, oh, Arsenal fan TV is as good a proof as any that there's been some turmoil there and it's been boring watching Arsenal fan TV recently because they're actually winning games and no one's angry. It's a bit of a shame.
0: Yeah, um, it's a bit annoying.
1: Yeah, I, I really think the Emirates crowd will have a, a big part to play in. Of course... The, no one needs reminding of Tottenham's history of folding in big moments, the bottle jobs, whatever you want to call them um, and I think it will be a really big test for uh, for Conte's men as to whether they can sort of go into the lion's den as it were and, and really perform
0: I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to seeing how which, which team kind of steps up to the occasion, mm. which, which team is happy to go there and dominate the ball and be the be the aggressors. Yeah. And whether...
1: Well, I, I really think that'll be Arsenal, to be honest, because they're, you know, like I say, they're sort of modelled on the Guardiola style of play. They average uh, over 58% possession this season. So, you know, they really, really like to get on the ball and and use those flair players. Of course, Tottenham, counter-attack inside, similarly to Man United, they average less than 50% possession this season. So, I definitely think it'll be Arsenal getting on the ball, trying to make inroads early, and Tottenham going. And it wouldn't be surprised if they they almost set up for a draw, to be honest, and or would be happy with a draw because they'll set up to counter attack, and people could look at that and say, "Oh, Conte's been defensive; he just wants a draw." He's not. That's they'll play that way against most teams this season. Um, and the the thing I think for Arsenal. In terms of a um, sort of a psychological problem they might have is they don't want to get desperate. They don't want to be 60 minutes in and it still be nil-nil and Tottenham are defending deep, and defending well, and then Arsenal continue to throw bodies forward and forward, and then next thing you know, counter attack, Kane to Son, bang, one-nil, and that's absolutely a possibility. So I just think patience for Arsenal is probably is probably the way to go.
0: Um, I do think that Son versus Ben White will be a key battle in this game. Well,
1: um, it's fun, funny you mention that because we're, we're going to go on to uh, the my-player battle now. And Is that is that your guess? Is that your guess for my-player battle then? yeah, That is my guess.
0: The the South Korean versus the Love Island rear Ferdinand.
1: <laughs> well, you're close. You're very close. I, I'm, I'm actually going to go for Saliva versus Kane, to be honest. It's, it's probably the, uh, the obvious one. But... I've been so impressed with William's Leiber. of course. It's it's um maybe brought about by the chant. The, the reason why everyone's paying
0: so much attention to him
1: because it's a uh,
0: What's the chant? The, I haven't heard
1: it. You don't know the Leiber chant. Oh god, you're not gonna make me do it, are you?
0: I am gonna let you do
1: it. <laughs> anyway we'll go we'll go on that's that's 10 seconds of pod wasted anyway <laughs> anyway um no he's he's come in obviously he's, he's been at the club for a while um but
0: he's one of those I signings know. from you know emory wasn't he three years ago i think
1: i believe it is emory yeah which um, is fair his legacy lives on
0: um, <laughs> him and nicholas pepe
1: <laughs> well yeah Libra is uh, slightly better than Pepe, you'd have to say. But he's had, he's had a couple of low moves back in France, of course, with Nice, with, uh, with Marseille last year, where he was unbelievable. And he's he's come in, slotted in alongside Gabriel. He's pushed Ben White out to right back, which is interesting. Um, I actually think he's done very well there, to be fair. Similarly to how John Stones has moved from centre back to the sort of inverted wing back role, Ben White's done exactly the same. And I, I really do like it. You see him picking up. Uh, space in midfield quite a lot but anyway going back to uh to saliva i think he is one of the best players suited dealing with harry kane if i'm honest i think he's powerful he's quick so when kane drops off he'll be able to go with him follow him stay tied to him he's sort of he's quite long levered in a way so he'll be able to get his legs round, intercept the ball whatever that kind of thing um and yeah, I just really, really think it'll be a, a big test for Harry Kane. And what I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he deals with, both from an England point of view, but also just from a from a tactical point of view.
0: Yes, I, I, I can't wait to see Saliba given his first big mm. big big test of the season, really. Yeah. Um I think obviously Marcus Rashford was a different test when he came up against him. Um, and obviously he came up against Ivan Tony last week and absolutely dominated him I last exactly. week. Last time. Know, I'd,
1: I'd say in terms of you know stylistic matchups, Tony is a, a much more Harry Kane type player than Marcus Rashford is. Oh, very much English, so. Yeah, you saw how well Sleeper dealt with Tony. Of course, Kane is levels ahead of Tony a dropping off and whatnot. But I think it's a, I think it's a real, real big test for Harry Kane more so than Saliba now you, you think about it that sounds crazy to say because Saliba's had what seven games in the Premier League and Harry Kane you know he's scored that many goals in this season already pretty much so it's um, it's going to be a really interesting watch of course I think alongside it'll be- Son's now back in form so that'll be that would be big <laughs> Harry Kane now sort of has his has his partner in crime back in a way um He's created sixteen chances already this season, Kane. Probably a lot of them for, for Son. Um, And now that maybe the form's back, the confidence is back in uh, in the South Korean. He uh, that could be dangerous, but no. I, I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Saliba's going to dominate more than Harry Kane is. I'll be honest.
0: I think I think Saliba will get the best out of Kane, but I do think Tottenham will create enough chances to win. I do think Tottenham will create enough chances from, from the wide areas, specifically. Right, yeah. Because I don't, I, I'm not sure that Kul- Kulisewski's runs... Um,
1: Especially k- with a,
0: a makeshift left-back, as we've yeah. mentioned. Kulisewski's runs, because, because of how Arsenal like to um, hold the ball with their left-back in midfield yeah. as an inverted fullback. Is, the, is whoever's going to play left-back, do we think possibly Xhaka could drop back there? He hasn't has in the past.
1: It might be Xhaka. It might be someone like Tommy Asu,
0: perhaps. Maybe. It, yeah, either way. But are they going to know when to drop and when to go with Kulishevsky? And if well, it's a top the... race, Kulishevsky will win. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: so. it's, it's a difficult one because... There is a chance that they do risk Tierney because he went he went off injured for Scotland, but it, you know it, it's, it's not one of those that is guaranteed to keep him out for a while. But is this the kind of game you want to be risking someone against someone like Kuleszewski? Because what are the chances that Tierney's playing at sixty percent, he feels off it, has to give away a foul or whatnot, and, yeah. and scores one of them.
0: Yeah, so I think I think that will be one of the key battles. I, th- I think it the game could be won and lost in moments in this game. I think I think it will be quite even. I, I don't. I think I think it'll be a very low scoring affair. Agreed. I um, so I think moments like that and little decisions and little um, players knowing the system, yeah. that's better than, better than their opponent, could be the difference between winning and losing in this game.
1: Well, you mentioned a low-scoring affair. Then, what what are you reckoning for a prediction? I'm gonna go. It's a tough one, isn't it?
0: Two nil Spurs. Really? Yeah.
1: You think they're gonna turn up on their on their old enemies' patch and do them?
0: Yeah, but I don't. I don't think it'll be a an easy two nil. I think it'll be a one nil by 17 minutes. Arsenal, and...
1: Arsenal have 17 shots, eight on target. Keeper has a great game, yeah. And then Spurs have four shots, two on target, and everyone's saying Aaron Ramsdale is the worst goalkeeper on earth.
0: I, I'll put it this way: I reckon at least one of them will come in at a time. So I think right. it, I, I think it might be Spurs score early, hold on, yeah, and then score one right at the end to make it look a little bit better, even though it's yeah, a very yeah. right. tight game. What, what are you thinking?
1: Um, I'm gonna say one all. One all. I'm gonna go one all. Yeah, I think. I think Tottenham will score first. And I think it'll then, similarly to what you're saying, there'll be waves and waves of Arsenal pressure. And I do think they'll break through. But yeah, they've looked really good from set pieces. That's one thing I would say about Arsenal. Obviously the added height of Saliba, the fact that Ben White, who is an aerial threat, is now playing at right back. That's sort of another player that you can throw into the box kind of thing. Um and yeah, I think I think I think it'll be one all, but I don't know, it's tough because I feel like they both sides cancel each other out in a way. Tottenham obviously like to counter-attack, but Arsenal are so good at keeping the ball this season and seem to be really um, productive when they get it attack in attacking areas. I don't think Spurs will be gifted as many chances as maybe they might like to. I mean, compared to last season where Kyung on, turned Rob Holding inside out, back to front, and then he ended up the game down. after 40 minutes. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be quite like that. But nonetheless, we're saying a low-scoring affair, but I think it'll be a brilliant game. nonetheless.
0: So yeah. set, we've both said how even these match we think these teams are. Which one do you think will finish higher?
1: Oh, wow. I think Arsenal will finish higher.
0: Yeah, I think Spurs
1: are... Because I think Arsenal will are better suited to playing the lesser teams in the division than Tottenham are. And there are more lesser teams than there are more big teams, if you know what I mean. Tottenham will take points off City and Liverpool. Arsenal probably won't. But Tottenham will drop points against Wolves, maybe. Or Villa, <laughs> or someone like that. Whereas Arsenal will those through those kind of teams because they just they have that clinical edge, they have that possession, they will wear teams out and out and out and out, and ultimately, yeah, I think I think it will be tight. I think both it will be third and fourth, the pair of them. And I mean, you could toss a coin on it to be fair, but I'm I'm going to stick my neck out there and say, uh, say Arsenal.
0: I think I think third to sixth will be very very tight this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think
1: second to six will, to be honest. I I think C will run away with it. Yeah, Liverpool will come second, but far less convincing than they have in previous years. Um, and yeah, like you say, the the other four, obviously yourselves and and Chelsea, could they they could break into the top four. But now I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the, the North London pair will will be third fourth.
0: I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if either United or Chelsea got in top four. Oh,
1: no, I wouldn't be but surprised. I d- but I do
0: agree with you. I, I just yeah. think it'll be City, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal. Because yeah. I think... Well, this is it. this is Conte's season and they don't just implode. Which is, with Conte, always a possibility. Yeah. And
1: with the history of the Tottenham, as Keelini would say. <laughs> the history there's, of the Tottenham. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's always the potential I mean I actually think it suits Tottenham more that they're playing the first game at at the Emirates and then later on in the season at the so-called business end they go to uh, the new White Hart Lane and and have them there think they'll help but no I think this will be an interesting game out and I'm looking forward to uh, to reviewing it next week
0: yeah I I can't wait I think it's um, going to be tight but I think it'll be entertaining I think that we I think Jack will probably get sent off and I think (laughs) and Romero oh I really enjoyed watching Romero mainly yeah. because I don't know what uh, each time whether he's going to cripple a guy or just put in a brilliant tackle and it's just a, it's just a good right, to play really
1: school bully, when the school bully used to play football at school and you weren't sure if he was either going to just get into like the, the joyful mood of it or if he was going to swing at the person that's on his toes you know what I mean it's one of them
0: yeah um, and I think Saka or Kudelski or, or Kudelski—he's <laughs> going to do it to his own player. No, yeah, uh,
1: that would be that would be brave, but I won't put it past him to be
0: honest. I I. I think Saka or Martelli could end the game with one and a half limbs or so. <laughs> yeah, that sounds
1: that sounds about right for Cristiano. Um, we're not even mentioned Richarlison yet.
0: <laughs> we haven't. Um, obviously, we. we He's arguably the biggest maniac of a lot of them. Obviously, it was just disgusting that he got on international on the international stage for Brazil, mm. um, and it should be acceptable in football. Um, but you do you do wonder how, whether things like that can turn a player into the whole world's against me, and I, I want to prove everyone what, everyone. Proving...
1: I mean, we saw Vinicius Junior got a bit of, uh, well, I say a bit, a disgustingly high amount of abuse leading into the uh, the Madrid derby and he absolutely walked it yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He, he could go one or two ways but be it Richarlison I think that way will be I'll kick the first person wearing red that I see and if that is the fourth official then so be it is one of them wouldn't surprise me
0: I can't wait I can't wait. But thank you very much for listening to the inaugural episode of The Footies On Podcast. We're going to try and upload these every Monday or Tuesday as I said in the intro um, and they will be about this length so about an hour 20 to an hour 30 for each episode. Um, where can they find you Dan if they want to find any any more of your fantastic insight?
1: <laughs> thank you very much. Um, Twitter uh, at Dan WAFC03 of course I'm a Wigan Athletic fan so you can find me on there Tweeting all sorts of Wigan-based stuff. You can find me on my website, talkingwigan.com, where uh, covering all things Wigan um, and just just milling around. You know, I'll, I'll be tweeting various things. I'm obviously, looking forward to doing more of these podcasts with your good self. Um, okay. And yeah, where, where can where can we find the legend that is John Witten?
0: Uh, so, you can find me on Twitter at within underscore John. Um, you will find that a lot of the stuff I do on there is rugby based because I work for Leicester Tigers, um, less Tigers coverage for the Leicester Mercury. Um, so, feel free to give us both a follow on there. We do have a Twitter account for this podcast, and that is at TFO underscore podcast. TFOP is all capitalized um so please do give us a follow on there if you enjoyed it and give us a like um a rating on spotify um and tell all your friends tell your friends to listen so thank you very much for listening um and we will see you for the next episode goodbye yeah